1: This is an RNZ podcast. Hello, I'm Simon Morris. Last week I waxed nostalgic about the good old days, which in these eccentric times means about four or five months ago. Back in that semi-mythical golden age, we were entertained by films featuring stars and well-loved character actors, those welcome faces that could lift the spirits in even the most lacklustre story. In fact, often I found I wasn't reviewing the movie as a whole, merely the actors in it.
0: Now, let me hear you read your line. And I can't stand him. And
1: I can't stand him. And I can't stand him. Can't. Can't concentrating on the stars' performances isn't as reductive as it seems. They only succeed because of everyone else's work. The writers, the director, the costume, makeup, and all the rest. Isaac Newton famously confessed he stood on the shoulders of giants. Well, a star actor is standing on the shoulders of pretty much everyone in the movie.
0: What are you doing? You're being wired for sound, dearie. What? Now, Miss Lamont, watch out for those dentalized D's and T's and those flat A's. Everybody's picking.
1: Unfairly or not, the stars get most of the credit for a good film. This is a matter of annoyance to the director and producer, who very rarely get any for their work, and the writer, who never gets any. Their sole comfort is that the actors are equally unfairly blamed for a flop.
0: Never want to see that Lockwood and Lamont again. Wasn't it awful?
1: This is the worst picture ever made. I liked it. Like it or not, famous faces are, if not a necessary evil in a film, then certainly a very helpful one. Seeing a favourite actor on screen is not only a sign of quality, it must be good if they're in it, but also a guarantee. At least there's someone to watch in this. What is the play and what is my part? Uh, One moment, sir. Who are you? I'm... um, I'm the money. Then you may remain, so long as you remain silent. The projects that need most assistance from recognizable actors are often the ones with the most similar characters. Costume dramas say squadrons of superheroes in spandex, and of course, fantasy extravaganzas.
0: And if we fail, what then? What happens when Sauron takes back what is his? I will be dead before I see the ring in the hands of an elf!
1: Well, this week, new comedy star Pete Davidson gets strong acting backup in The King of Staten Island, while reliable English actor Rosamund Pike shines as celebrity scientist Marie Curie in Radioactive. But first, what looks like the starriest adaptation of a rather star free year the personal history of David Copperfield.
0: Whether I turn out to be the hero of my own story, or whether that station will be held by anybody
1: else. These moments must show. Lest you should think that the personal history of David Copperfield is a bit of a mouthful for what's usually just referred to as David Copperfield, the book's formal title is The Personal History, Adventures, Experience and Observation of David Copperfield the Younger of Blunderstone Rookery, which he never meant to publish on any account. I am David Copperfield. I am indeed. What lies before you is a fight with
0: the world. And the sooner you begin it, the better!
1: And it's clear that writer-director Armando Iannucci always planned to capture the spirit of Charles Dickens' original. Like most adaptations of Dickens, it's undeniably a romp, art-directed and costumed to the hilt with a colourful cast. What's happening? Bayless!
0: The Duchess prisoner awaits! It's not your chicken! You're stealing an honest
1: man's chicken! Unlike most adaptations of Dickens, it makes no attempt to stay monoculturally Anglo-Saxon. Playing the adults, David Copperfield is Dev Patel, playing the likably hopeless Mr. Wickfield is Benedict Wong, while his daughter is played by black English actress Rosalind Aliza.
0: I can easily recall people of strong character. Good morning! Good morning! You're too early for Sherry. A little early.
1: It seems Ianuchi's plan is to wrest David Copperfield out of the dusty past and into modern London. Hence the heroic use of colourblind casting, which is all very well if the casting is good enough, and if it doesn't get in the way of the story. I'm ruined. Can you cast any more
0: lights from what has happened?
1: Yes, I can. Day before yesterday, she said, Mr. Dick, I'm ruined. And I said, Oh indeed, and
0: then we traveled here. That's not a lot of light.
1: The trouble with Dickens is there's just so much of him. There have been one or two decent two and a bit hour film versions of his shorter books, Oliver Twist and Great Expectations, notably. But good versions of the longer ones have been mostly TV serials. Certainly the best David Copperfields of my past came courtesy of the BBC.
0: This calls for a celebration. Hooray! This is a remarkable day. Did you hear that? Huge
1: maniac! What an adventure we have had. David Copperfield the book is both Armando Iannucci's favourite Dickens and the pet of the author himself probably because there was so much of his own life in it. Dickens' sweet but hopeless mother is reflected in both David's mother and later in the equally fluffy Dora. In the film, they're both played by the same actress.
0: He was staring. Is there something wrong with me? No. I apologise for my rudeness. Think nothing of it, sir. He speaks very well. It was actually me. Oi, Romeo, do some work.
1: Dickens' own feckless father, always only a few steps ahead of his creditors, was transformed into one of his most famous characters. Mr. Micawber, played here by Ianichi favourite Peter Capaldi, with a slightly approximate Cockney accent. London is full of wonders and wickedness, and it's ours, David, to go wherever we choose. Well, I'm not down there. Creditors make that road impossible. Two tailors and a most unreasonable muffin man. The comedy characters do well enough in this David Copperfield, but the missing ingredient is Dickensian melodrama and villainy. The wicked stepfather, Mr Murdstone, and David's treacherous best friend, Steerforth, flicker on screen briefly but fail to leave much of a mark.
0: Your mama is ill. How old is she?
1: Very ill.
0: Dangerously ill.
1: She's dead. We're very sorry. Far more reliable are the performances of the already pretty Dickensian Tilda Swinton as David's aunt Betsy Trotwood and her vague companion Mr Dick, played without breaking a sweat by Hugh Laurie.
0: You're my aunt. And you're the only family I have.
1: What do we do with him? I'm you. And wash him. Oh,
0: donkeys! This is a donkey freezer!
1: You're a remarkable woman. Very kind. Director Armando Iannucci's background is hard-hitting political satire, TV shows like The Thick of It and Veep, and the brilliant film The Death of Stalin. Well, you'd expect him to be a good fit with Dickens' angry portrayals of workhouses, slums and debtors' prisons, but satire's not his primary intention here. We could keep him as a little pet. (laughs) It was a joke, I'm sorry. I've been attempting to learn gentlemen's humour from a book. This is both a love letter to the author and an attempt to show he's still relevant nearly 200 years later. The adaptation isn't always literal. Many bits of the original are cast adrift to make room, other bits are treated as faulty memory or simply swept under the carpet when they don't fit. I forgive you, Mr
0: Copperfield. It is not for you to forgive anyone, Mr Heap. Isn't that right, Jip?
1: Yes, it is. What is she doing here? My problem is that my own memories of the book and other screen versions are still too vivid and fond to allow for as much tampering as this film is guilty of. There are some good performances, particularly from Dev Patel, but not enough. And I'm sorry, with this cast and director, that my overall feeling at the end was one of disappointment. Oh!
0: Point your head! What are you doing? Medicine, reviving you. This is salad dressing.
1: Is it? What could have been a bold reimagining of David Copperfield for post Brexit Britain instead comes across as a little random and unconvincing. The best bits were the most traditionally Dickens, I thought. But I suspect Ianucci, for all his love of Dickens, just hasn't got it in him to stay traditional. Thank
0: you. Um, Sorry, what was your name? Copperfield. 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 This is Cropwood Trosserfield. David Copperfield.
1: The American late-night TV series Saturday Night Live was launched in 1975 and has been going strongly in America ever since. I stress the in America part because for the rest of the world, mostly, it never played on our TVs. It just existed as a launchpad for America's movie talent. Got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes, it's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. From the early days of John Belushi and Dan Aykroyd to Eddie Murphy, Adam Sandler, Kristen Wigg, and literally scores of others, the stars of Saturday Night Live became the stars of American movies, even if non Americans didn't know who they were. All we saw was the sense of entitlement that years on TV give people like new star Pete Davidson.
0: Be nice to Mom, OK? Don't give her a hard time. She deserves a break. I always give her a break. When's, when am I going to get my break? Like... What are you talking about? All anyone ever does is worry about you. I ignored my entire childhood because of you. Oh, yeah, I forgot that my childhood was so dandy.
1: The precociously young Davidson is huge in the States and notable for his well-known backstory. He comes from the blue-collar New York borough of Staten Island and his father was a farmer who died on 9-11. The film The King of Staten Island is essentially that narrative with a twist. It's Pete Davidson's story if he hadn't become a comedy superstar. You ever think
0: about putting on the jacket? Why would you even ask me that? What's wrong with being a fireman? It's fine if you don't have kids, because you don't know if you're going to come home or not, and then your kids are f***ed up.
1: Aside from its Saturday Night Live pedigree, the King of Staten Island comes from another famous comedy stable, the R-rated films of Judd Apatow. Having launched the film careers of Seth Rogen, Amy Schumer, James Franco and many others, Apatow is a good and obvious fit with Pete Davidson.
0: You can't focus on Scott anymore, honey. He's 24 years old, Marjorie. Let that bird fly, please. Don't worry, Mom.
1: I know your daughter got smart and went to college and abandoned us. But I'm still here. I'm going to be here forever. Yeah. The King of Staten Island is edgy, it's coarse, it's very white urban, and like so many previous Apatow productions, it features a lead character who's very hard to like at the start. Scott is a dope-smoking slacker, sponging off his mother and kid's sister. He's obsessed by his late father in a way he obviously thinks is sort of endearing.
0: I like your tattoos. What are those numbers on your arm? Oh, that's uh, the date my dad died. He was a fireman. Died in a fire 17 years ago. Oh, my God, I'm so sorry. Don't be. It's fine. Knock, knock. Who's there? Not your dad.
1: Scott's ambition, well, ambition is a little strong. Let's say his dream is something to do with tattooing. He keeps practicing on his equally unfocused friends, another staple in Apatow films, despite displaying only minimal talent at it.
0: I need somebody to tattoo. I'm, I'm running out of... Come on, Rich, what about you, man? Don't even look at me, dude. Why? Your work is mad and consistent. Obama ain't right. I got the eyes wrong, okay? He's not right. All right, man, this has hurt me. All right, I don't have any black friends anymore.
1: When even Scott's crew refuses to take any more tattooing, he looks outside the group. He finds a 10-year-old and offers to tattoo him. The kid goes along with it for about half a minute and then bails. Next thing you know, the kid's father comes calling on Scott's mum.
0: Are you a cop? No, I'm a fireman, Okay, I work for a living. Look at this. Do you believe this? You see that there? See that line? I don't know if you burn these off or what, but we're taking care of this and you're paying for it. You understand me? I don't know what this is. Oh,
1: If you're not already a fan of Pete Davidson, I'd certainly never heard of him, you might be seduced by some of the other actors. I've always liked Marisa Tomei ever since my cousin Vinny, and as Ray the Fireman, the irascible comedian Bill Burr is easy to like too. Easy to like than Scott, certainly. I've been dating someone for a little while now. The
0: first guy you date in 17 years is a fireman, just like that. You don't think that's weird?
1: To Scott's dismay, his mum starts to have a life that isn't entirely centered on him. Scott even finds himself being expected to do a few chores, including babysitting duties.
0: You're going to have to pull your weight a little more around here. Maybe help Ray get his kids to school. Kelly,
1: do you know him? He's a new friend. You okay? You know, you could tell me. I'm okay.
0: Oh, I trained her in the car. She's not going to break.
1: Actually, the best things about The King of Staten Island are all the bits that aren't Pete Davidson. The two kids are adorable, and the crew at Ray's Firehouse are led by the always welcome Steve Buscemi, who, it turns out, used to be a fireman himself. Who knew? He's doing a good job, getting ready for his career, working at a car wash. Why don't we have to clean this thing anyway? It's just going to get fire on it. But the most endearing people in this rather blokey film are way over to the side. There's Judd Apatow's daughter, Maud, who plays that very Apatow character, the kid's sister, who's far more grown-up than the so-called hero.
0: You've got to get your shit together. Time is passing by very quickly. Why do you think I smoke weed all the time? So I can slow it down.
1: And as Scott's long-suffering girlfriend, there's Belle Powley, who made an impact playing the young Princess Margaret in A Royal Night Out. Vanessa Kirby, Helena Bonham Carter. What is it about the Queen's petulant sister that's such a gift part for talented British actresses?
0: I love Staten Island. It's amazing. And people are going to see it soon, trust me.
1: Well, if you love it so much, why don't you let me tattoo it on you?
0: No, I'm not going to let you tattoo me again.
1: Fine. I could have used a lot more of Bell Powley and, frankly, rather less of Pete Davidson in The King of Staten Island, but, of course, I'm not from around there. And to be fair, it does all come right in the end, even if, as so often in this sort of movie, there's an awful lot of movie before the end.
0: I just feel like everybody's always disappointed in me and I never live up to anybody's expectations. Hey, thanks for listening to all this. You're one of the few people who treat me, you know, like a person.
1: You're welcome. The reputation of scientist Marie Curie has always been high, even if we're not always sure of what precisely she discovered. And over the years, her life, often linked with her husband Pierre Curie, has been the subject of several movies. Greer Garson played her in a 1943 Hollywood version, and there have been others from France and Poland. The latest comes from Britain's working title, and is called Radioactive. I read your paper... Contains some exceptional science.
0: My instinct is that there is another element.
1: You think you found an undiscovered element? <laughs> Rosamond Pike plays the prickly Mary Sklodowska, a Polish physicist and chemist with a bee in her bonnet about atoms. In 1893, she's working in Paris where her life is a constant battle with the stuffy powers that be. What she needs is help from someone with a spare laboratory. You're Maria Sklodowska. I'm Pierre Curie. Your science is brilliant. (laughs) You're proposing a partnership. That's exactly what I'm doing. You're just
0: extraordinary.
1: And what are the odds? The chance meeting with fellow scientist Pierre Curie is so clumsy and unlikely that I suspect, or at least I hope, that's what actually happened. Pierre, as played by Sam Riley, is the nicest man in the world, a worthy foil to the complex, self-centred Marie. Your measuring equipment's useless. It's worked perfectly fine for me if so far. If we're going to get the figures you need, we need something that's capable of extreme precision.
0: There is no we.
1: You need something that's capable of measuring microscopic aspects of no, energy.
0: Please. Yes. No, please, no, no, no. I no. have an
1: idea. Follow me. I mean, we have to have some drama here, don't we? Anyway, the two work so well together. She's brilliant and inspired. He is careful and technically sophisticated. That one thing inevitably leads to another. They get married shortly after discovering radium.
0: I want to tell you about radium, a most peculiar and remarkable element because it does not behave as it should.
1: In fact, they also discovered the rather less well-known polonium at the same time. And this underlines the difficulty in making a biopic about well-known scientists. We've heard of them, and we know certain things about them, but not much about their actual work. We do know they both won a Nobel Prize for physics. Our work's been nominated for the Nobel Prize for our discovery of radioactivity. And the commendation only mentions my name. Well, eventually they both won it after Pierre put pressure on the Nobel people. We're told that their work was in the area of radiation and x rays, even if the details of what it all means are a bit rich for the blood of the non scientific community.
0: Science is changing, and the very people who are running science believe the world was flat.
1: Leave my laboratory.
0: If my science doesn't speak for itself, then you have gravely misunderstood it. I'm going to prove them wrong.
1: The film Radioactive does attempt to provide some context to the Curies' work and achievements by occasionally flashing forward to see some well known events that stemmed from their research. Though I have to say, some of them do Marie Curie very few favours.
0: We all thought that atoms were finite and stable. Well, some of them are not. I have called this radioactivity. Our discovery could cure
1: cancer. Extraordinary. We see a little American boy getting the world's first radiation treatment for cancer, but we also see the dropping of the atom bomb over Hiroshima and the later disaster of Chernobyl. Radiation isn't always our friend. You changed the world.
0: There are those that say that radium is making them sick. He's invented a poison! (laughs)
1: The film's director is rather interesting, the Iranian Marjane Satrapi, best known for directing an animated version of her own graphic novel, Persepolis, a few years ago. Radioactive certainly looks great. The cinematographer is the great Anthony Dodd-Mantle. But the script is a bit of a mess.
0: Install my brilliance. How dare you take their applause. This is bigger than both of us. I the... just wanted to do good I... science.
1: <laughs> the question can be raised whether mankind benefits from knowing the secrets of nature. No reflection on Rosamond Pike, who put some interesting meat on the bones of an underwritten character. Marie was a prickly proto-feminist in a sexist world, but she stuck to her guns and became one of the most famous women in the world. The narrative trouble with high achievers like Marie, Pierre, and indeed their daughter, Irene, later a Nobel Prize winner herself, is that their work is the reason for their fame.
0: I want to protest in the strongest possible terms. It is a distinct lack of respect. They don't like you here. <laughs> will have other people's opinions ever affected anything I've
1: done. Radioactive attempts to include the gossipy extras to her life, her celebrity friends and affair with a younger colleague. But in the end, they're dwarfed by the final photograph of Marie, the one woman in a group of the world's greatest scientists, including Curie fan Albert Einstein. This is
0: my light. And I will win it.
1: There's a famous French quote about the charge of the Light Brigade. C'est magnifique, mais ce n'est pas la guerre. It's magnificent, but it's not war. Well, you could say the same about the lives of someone like the Curies. They're clearly wonderful, but I'm not sure there's a movie in them. Which brings this week's show to a close. I'm Simon Morris, and I hope you'll join me at the movies same time next week.